0: You know, Paul said about the passing of, of loved ones. He said, "We sorrow, but we sorrow not as those who have no hope." And boy, I've I've done I've done over a hundred funerals in in uh, as a pastor, and uh, I've done funerals of people who. Didn't believe in God. Didn't believe in heaven. And, uh, boy, the sorrow. Because they had no expectation that they were ever going to see their loved one again. And it's a different kind of sorrow than the sorrow of knowing that this is just a temporary goodbye. Oh, it hurts. It's hard. It's, It's horrible pain. But the hope of knowing that. You're going to see your loved one again. Praise the Lord for that hope. Father, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts. Pray that you'd bless our time in your word. Open our eyes. Help us to see things. As the psalmist said, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And I pray that you would open each of our eyes today. I pray that you'd give me the gift of brevity. Help me to take this profound truth and fit it into a package that is easy for us to take and to take with us bless our time together may your spirit have liberty to work in our hearts we ask these things in Christ's name amen I find it very interesting with all that God gave to mankind in creating the world I find it interesting that God didn't find it necessary to initiate a system For numbering the years. Now, I'm not questioning obviously God's actions. I know that He knows why He does everything, and I trust His reasoning. I just find it curious, for example, that God created us with the ability to speak, He gave us a language already intact. We had to do things with it, and because of our foolishness at the Tower of Babel, He changed that instinct so that various families of the earth had differing languages. But while he did all of that, he didn't initiate a system of keeping track. In other words, Adam wasn't created with the instinct that, okay, this is January 1st in the year 0001. God gave us the sun, the moon, the stars to keep track of days and weeks and months and years and seasons, the Bible says. He gave us the tools to keep track of these things, but God did not, as far as the Bible describes, he did not initiate a calendar. Now, God kept track, and maybe even man kept track. But somewhere... If, if we did start with keeping track, somewhere we got off track because empires like Egypt are measured in what? B.C., which means we, we go to a fixed date, the birth of Christ, and we count backwards. Well, where's the timeline that starts a creation, and here's the Egyptian empire, and here's the Assyrian empire, and here's the Medo-Persian Empire, here's the Greek Empire on the timeline. Where's the timeline? So God gave us the tools, but God, either he didn't institute it or he instituted it, but we didn't keep up with it. Now, why didn't God give us a timeline and a calendar that is as firmly fixed as our languages are? I think I know the answer to that. But I still am very intrigued by the question. But as you read your Bible, by the way, we learned this on Wednesday nights a few weeks ago, if you'll take your Bible, you can put together a timeline because the Bible does give us dates. But mankind has no such calendar, and that's why, as I said, we have to do B.C. There's there's no dates, universal dates, for all these other events in ancient history. So as you read your Bible... You find the years defined not by a numbering system, but by the events that took place in a given year. Now, follow me carefully just for a couple of minutes. As you read your Bible, you see the years defined. There's no number year. You don't, you don't read in the Bible, and it came to pass in the year 1237 The only thing you can do, and again, we learned this on a Wednesday night, where you can start a creation, and you can work the years forward to the birth of Christ, and then if you want to convert that to BC, you can flip it over and work backwards. But we would say, well, in 1937, but there's no such language in the Bible. Do you get what I'm saying? And there's no such timeline in ancient history. The world does not use a timeline. The world begins at the birth of Christ and goes forward and at the birth of Christ that goes backward, which, boy, isn't it amazing that we can do that with somebody who they say wasn't even born. But anyhow, they start the birth of Christ and work forward or the birth of Christ and work backward. The Bible defines events by the by years, I'm sorry, by the events that happen in those years. First Kings 6.1, for example talks about the year that the children of Israel came out of Egypt. The books of Kings and Chronicles, again and again, you'll find statements like this. In the fifth year of Rehoboam, in the third year of King Asa, Ezra chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Isaiah 6, three in the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah 14.28, in the year that King Ahaz died. In Isaiah chapter 20 and verse number 1, in the year that Tartan came unto Ashdod. Amos 1.1, I love this one, says two years after the earthquake. That must have been some earthquake because they were measuring time by it. In modern history, those statements would say in 1736, but in Bible history and in ancient history, it says in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Ancient history... Years are defined by events. Now, here's the thing. In most of our minds, and we all think differently, but in most of our minds, the same thing is true. You probably could not tell me the year that a given event happened. Some you could, some you couldn't. But for a lot of us, we can remember what happened when we were a certain age. For example, when I was seven years old, I, was su- I surrendered to preach the gospel. When I was 14 years old, I got saved. By the way, I can't explain that one to you. But I know I was called to preach when I was seven. I know I got saved when I was 14. You know, that's not supposed to work that way. You're supposed to get called to preach after you get saved. But Whatever, I'm telling you, I know those dates like the back of my hand. When I was 18, I went off to Bible college. When I was 23, I met the girl of my dreams. I wish I had time to tell you that story. I was 23 years old. When I was 25, we got married. When I was 27, we started the church. When I was 28 and 30 and 32... God gave me the three very precious gifts of my three children. The years of my life have been defined by the decisions that I've made. Each of those things that I just showed you is connected to a decision that I made. If we had the time, I could associate every calendar year of my adult life with some good decisions that I made That year. I won't take the time. I just gave you some examples. But I refuse to let my life be defined by things that have happened to me that were out of my control. Did you catch that? If you didn't, I want you to wake up and listen to that. I refuse to let my life be defined by things that have happened to me that were out of my control. Yeah, in 1983, that was the year my favorite dog died. 1994 is the year the Buick got stolen. Those things are out of my control. Those things happen. But those things will not define the years of my life. My life will be defined in my own mind by the spirit-led decisions that I have made. Say, Pastor, that sounds weird to me. Then maybe you need to switch the way you're thinking. Maybe you're just a spectator who is sitting back and watching your life be defined by what other people have done to you. If you let the years of your life be defined by what other people do, you're choosing to live the life of defeat. If you let the years of your life be defined by the things that happen to you, you're choosing to live the passive life of an incompetent spectator. But if you want to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, if you want to so run that you may obtain, if you want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you've got to let your life be defined by the Spirit-led decisions that you make. Now, it's a good thing what we've just done. Those of you that are able to be here Thursday night, it was a wonderful night, the New Year's Eve service. We had a lot of fun. We played some uh, some games. It was awesome. We looked at some pictures from the past year. We we began by taking testimonies. Tell me something that uh, happened in your life this year. And by the way, the testimonies of Thursday night are a perfect example of what I'm talking about. People uh, sat here and testified of, of losses in their life, but how... The Lord worked through those losses. How the Lord gave them grace through those losses. Uh, you, you talk about illustration of that. I mean, that very night, Emile and Lilia were were suffering the loss of their nephew that morning. And the very next day, Brother Fred would suffer the loss of his mom. But... Their lives are not defined by their losses. Their lives are defined by the decisions that they made in both victory and defeat. So it's a good thing to look back over the year and say, well, this is, this is what we did about this. This is what I chose to do about this. This is, hey, this is this defeat, but this is this victory. But now we're at a new page. We are in day three of a brand new chapter in the book of your life, chapter 2016. And now instead of looking back and saying, hey, how did this year go? Let's look and let's give praise to God for bringing me through. And let's, let's assess, boy, these, this is where I achieved. praise the Lord. I have grown. This is where I have suffered loss. This is where I have failed. And this is what I need to work on. Now, turn the page, and it's a new chapter, 2016. And let's ask the question, what are you going to decide to do with 2016? Oh, you you say, Pastor, you can't decide that. All you can do is sit and see what happens. You're thinking wrong about that. You need to change the way you think. It's time to decide what this new year will be. For you, it's not too late. Yeah, there's this thing of, well, if you don't make the the resolution before midnight on New Year's Eve, it's too late. No, it's not. We're in the infant stages of a brand new year. What are you going to decide to do with your 2016? The Bible says, the year that King Uzziah died, the year that King Asa died. The year that Cyrus became king. What's 2016 going to be for you? Is it going to be the year that you read your Bible through for the the first time? If you're sitting here and you've never read your Bible through before, that, that needs to be top of your list. The year that I read my Bible through the first time. In fact, Go ahead over, Joe, and get yourself a copy. Uh, 2016, the year that, Joe said, Oh, that reminds me. I got to get a copy. Let me go get one right now. The year that I learned how to pray. Do you have the courage? 2016, the year that I began to get out of debt. Well, can I say this? All those things that I read a little while ago, except for the one when I was seven. But just about every other of those things and other things that I could add to it, I had a game plan. Now, the outcome didn't go exactly according to my, how my game plan was written. But the fact that I had a game plan, God looked at it and said, okay, we're going to do something about that because Joe has a game plan. He's given it to me. He's stepping out. Now we're going to make something happen. What's your game plan for getting out of debt and making 2016 the year that you began to get out of debt? Or is it going to be 2016, the year that I finally got my tongue under control? 2016, the year that I learned what it means to love my wife. By the way, I'm not joking about any of these. Hey, teenager. Or preteen, 2016, the year I began keeping my room clean on my own. (laughs) Yeah, that's 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 funny, Pastor. Well, I've met people in their 40s who haven't learned how to do that yet. 2016, this may sound like a miracle stuff to you, younger folks. The year I got straight A's. Oh. I couldn't do that. You won't do that unless you choose to do that. 2016, the year I got deliverance from addiction. 2016, the year I became a soul winner. 2016, oh yeah, that was the year that I overcame my worst habit. Or 2016, let me tell you, that was the year that I began my best habit. What is that hill that you have tried to climb and failed and tried to climb and failed? Make 2016 and and set a game plan. Hey, there's some things you need to shut off. There's some things you need to cancel. There's some things that you need to cut your access to. I'm talking about maybe it's time to quit stocking certain things in your refrigerator. Maybe it's time that you... Stop going by that place and every time you go there, you wind up buying a lotto ticket. Maybe it's it's time that you canceled HBO because it's messing you up and you know it is. There's some things that you... And listen, when you take the step to say, that's it, no more of that, you'd be amazed at what God will do because you took a step. 2016. That was a year that I really began to get to know God. They, that, that would go on that list for me, by the way, when I was 16 years old. That's when I really started to get to know God. Is that going to be your for you this year? Now, some of you, that's already happened. You've, you have begun to get to know God, and praise the Lord, you know God. But I would say the majority of folks sitting here, I, I can't say that. Okay, 2016, make that your year. That's the year that I really began to know God, 2016, the year that I really began to walk with Jesus, the year that I really began to let people know that I was a Christian. What's it going to be? Now, if you look at our Bible text, Psalm 119, verses 30 to 33, you'll see a challenge that I think will help to push you in the right direction, and it's in nine words the first three of those nine words is in verse number 30 read the first three words of psalm 119 verse 30 aloud with me slowly ready i have chosen bang do you want this year to be defined by a great decision then you've got to begin by making a choice One of Satan's most successful lies is that he has persuaded so many people that you can keep on doing the same thing and eventually your luck's just going to change and things are going to get better. But here's what we all know. If you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. If you want change, you've got to make a choice. And David says, I have chosen if you want new results you got to make new choices If you want your year to be defined by your good decisions you've got to choose to make it happen joshua made the choice as for me in my house we will serve the lord he made a choice job made a choice i have made a covenant with my eyes why should i look upon a maid Daniel made a choice that says he purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. You won't achieve success just by making one choice. But you'll never achieve success until you make a choice. You won't be an overcomer on willpower alone, but your first step to success is in making the choice. Every success begins with a choice. By the way, Every failure begins with a choice, but usually the choice that leads to failure is the choice to do nothing. What choice are you going to make that's going to define your year 2016? David said, I have chosen. What will you choose to pursue this year? I'm asking you to search your own heart. I'm asking you to seek the Lord. I'm asking you, Lord, what's going to define 2016 for me? What weakness will you choose to overcome? What spiritual enemy will you choose to defeat? David said, I have chosen. Now, look with me at verse number 31 and read the first three words of verse 31. Ready? I have stuck. First he said, I have chosen. Then he says, I have stuck. Once you've made your choice, then you've got to stick to it. You've chosen a new path. New habits, a new routine, a new discipline. Now, stick to it. Today's Sunday. Maybe you make this choice on Sunday. Monday, you got to stick to it. Tuesday, you got to stick to it. Wednesday, you got to stick to it. Hey, when you don't feel like it, you got to stick to the new path that you've chosen. When you don't feel motivated, you still got to stick to the new path that you've chosen. When you fail, Oh, I stuck to it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. About Friday, I blew it, okay? Get back up and Saturday, stick to it. You've chosen a new path, stick to it. When it's unpopular, stick to the path that you've chosen. When it's lonely, stick to the path you've chosen. When it's tedious, and listen, it will get tedious doing something right, doing something new. But when it's tedious, stick to the path that you've chosen. It's one thing to choose a new path, and you ought to do that. You ought to make the choice. But it's another thing to stick to your path. It's one thing to say, all right, for the first time in my life, I am going to live by a budget, and I'm going to let that budget control my finances. It's one thing to choose, and you need to choose. It's quite another thing to live by that budget. And when you come and you say, oh, I really want to buy that thing, but... Boy, I only have $35 left in my discretionary spending for this month, and it's cost $50. Let me me borrow $15 from the rent. I'll pay it back. Nope. Nope. Stick to it. I can't buy it till next month. I can't buy it till next month. And no, I'm not going to charge it. I've chosen to live by a budget. That's what's going to save my neck. That's what's going to get the bills paid. That's what's going to get me out of debt. I've chosen, and now I'm going to stick to it great to choose to keep your, by the way, let me, let me tell you, these are th- little hurdles. I decided, I guess, three or four weeks ago, I have two desks in my office. When you walk in my door, I face you at this desk, and then I've got this other one behind me they call a credenza. I can't remember that word. A credenza, that's where my desktop computer is. Now, this, this desk has always been sort of my kitchen table. Meaning, if there's some place to put it, that's where it's going to go. Stack of books right there. Stack of papers right there. It was about three weeks, maybe a month ago, that I decided, you know what? I am going to, whatever else the rest of the office looks like, this is going to stay clean. So every day, at the end of the day, before I go home, I, and I don't just take it off this desk, put it on the other one. I put these things where they belong. And if I don't have a place where they belong, you know the key to organization, a place for everything and everything in its place. I find a place for these things. Why? So at the very least, I can start every day by walking through my office door and seeing a completely clean desk. Have I succeeded every day? No, I haven't. But I have said, okay, I failed yesterday, but I'm going to fix it today. Now, there's... A thousand other areas of my life that are waiting for me to make that same decision. I can't fix them all at one time. You know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And you can, if if that's your taste. Um, That's how you tackle the problems in your life. So what are you going to tackle this year? I have chosen. I have stuck. And when I fail, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to stick to it. I am going to tackle this thing. Don't just choose to serve the Lord. Stick to becoming a servant of the Lord. I have chosen. I have stuck. Now look at the first three words of verse number 32. Read it with me. Ready? I will run. I have chosen. I have stuck. I will run. I like this one. Running means momentum, it means progress. It means, yeah, now you're in the race. Running means, now we're rolling. Running means this is who I am. Let's take literal running for a second. I obviously can't run anymore, but believe it or not, I know you don't look at me and go, now that guy's a runner, but believe it or not, when I still had two good feet, when I wanted to lose weight, that's how I did it every time. I'm a horrible dieter, but I say, you know, I look in the mirror and go, now that man in that mirror is getting rather large, and so I, I three days a week I tell my wife I'm three days a week I'm going to get out there and I'm going to run. And the first day I run to the bottom of the hill and walk back up. The next day I go to the bottom of the hill and I go uh, around the the uh, turn at the at the end of Putnam Lake and I come back and I walk back up the hill and I add a little bit and I got to where I would I was running in in the heat of summer three miles. Three times, a, three times a week, which for, you know, large guy like me, that was pretty good. Large old guy like me, that was pretty good. I miss that. But here's, here's my point. It's one thing to be sitting there and going, you know what? I'm going to run. It's another thing to the second time without, I know, okay, that was Monday. Now it's Wednesday. All right, I don't feel like it. I know I'm going to be breathing heavy. I know I'm going to be tired and worn out. I'm going to be sore. But it's time to put on my sneakers and run. But there's a third stage, and that is when you're actually out there running. And you're going, you know, and I'm I'm, I'm going down Lakeshore Drive. Doesn't that sound exquisite? Uh, If you've ever been there in Putnam Lake, it's nothing special. But uh, Lakeshore Drive. And I'm jogging down Lake Shore Drive. And I'm going, and and I'm I'm looking, I'm seeing these people. They're walking their dogs, and they're doing that. And I'm thinking, they don't know that I'm not a runner. They don't know that I'm just visiting running for a little while. And the more I run, the more I run, the more I realize, hey, I'm a runner. I'm a runner. I will run. You know what that says? It says, this is who I am now. I'm going to choose to pray every day. I'm going to stick to praying every day. I'm going to be a praying everyday runner. I'm going to stay at it until it becomes who I am. When he says, I will run, it means I. this is going to be who I am. I'm going to choose to love my wife. I'm going to stick to loving my wife. I'm going to be a... Love my wife, runner. I'm going to work at loving my wife until it becomes who I am. I will run. Uh, You say, why are you talking about loving your wife? Okay, instead of you assessing at how good a job you're doing at loving your wife, let's ask your wife how loved she feels. Say, well, why is that a thing? Because the Bible never commands a wife to love her husband. Sorry to bring that up, fellas, but... But the Bible, on several occasions, says husbands, love your wives. And don't just love them. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. You know, it's our responsibility to love our wives more than they love us. I choked on that one the first time I heard it. (laughs) But that's the truth. You know why you start things and you do good for a while and then you fall back to what you used to be. Okay, I'm going to raise my hand and confess. I, I've started things, done good for a while, then fell back to what I used to be. Anybody else want to confess with me that you know what I'm talking about? Do you know why that happens? It happens because you never allow yourself to see yourself as the new person. Okay? Okay? I'm a large person, so I'm going to use this illustration, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but I'm talking about me. I have been at least a little bit overweight my entire life. Even when I got somewhat slender as a teenager, I still had a little flabby gut. I have never viewed myself as a slender person. And that is one reason that I don't succeed at sustained weight loss, because I have never viewed myself as a fit person. Now, you say, well, you've never been a fit person. Yeah, you're right. But I have had success at weight loss. I have had success. But even when I've been successful, I have never allowed myself to think of myself as a guy that's in shape. And the reason that you have success in a new direction, but then you fail and fall back, is you never let yourself Think of yourself as a new man. You still picture yourself as an old man. You will have sustained success when you look at yourself and you say, I didn't just choose and I haven't just stuck, but now I'm running. I am running at this thing. I have chosen, I have stuck, and I am running and I will continue to run. I will run. I will be a punctual person. I will run. I will be the guy that meets his deadlines. I will run. I will be the person who controls my emotions. I will run. I will be a soul winner. I will run. I will be the person who worships God every day. I have chosen. I have stuck. I will run. You won't change everything in one quick decision. But you won't change anything until you make a decision. 2016, the year that... What's it going to be? The year that... Whatever you're going to put in there, it's going to happen when you choose, and you stick, and you run. When you fall... You stick to it. You stick to what you chose. When you fail, when you look back, you say, oh, man, you know what? The thing I was going to do every day, I haven't done it in a month. Okay, you stick to your choice, and you start back up, and you do it. Why? Because I'm, a, I'm, I'm running. This is who I am. This is who I have chosen to become, and I'm going to stick to it. had the privilege on Friday, actually Thursday and Friday because of a mistake. that No, Wednesday and Friday. By the way, I was a prophet. I found out in Sunday school. Remember we were eating at Chips the other night? And I said, right now, somebody's sitting at church wondering where everybody is. It happened. It happened. Anyway, um, I'll share later.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> but no, somebody that wasn't here Sunday didn't know there was a church Wednesday night. Um, oh, okay, he went and confessed, so I don't have to. I don't have to say. Um, but Wednesday, and then again on Friday because of a, a, a mix-up, my, my failure. Um, I had the opportunity, especially Friday, Joe and I went to, to the home of John and Abby Laffanier. Those of you who know their story, John and Abby were the youth pastor and his wife at uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church in Waterbury for a number of years. And then God called him to start a church. John grew up in Fairfield, Brother John did, and God called him to start a church in, in Fairfield, Connecticut. They went on deputation and somewhere along the line after they had begun deputation. And in fact, they may have finished deputation. I don't remember, but she was expecting a, a baby. And in childbirth, one of the com- complications of her childbirth is that, uh, she contracted, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but she contracted ALS. And, uh, she has, she has deteriorated. And those of you that have, have seen her, she, uh, Brother John and Abby were at uh, the summit this year, and they've been at various other meetings, and they're struggling, having a tough time. But they went ahead and started Fairfield Baptist Church. In fact, we went across Route 25, Brother John said, if you'll go back 58 through, through Reading." You'll you'll see the school that we that we meet in. So we did. We went home that way, and sure enough, and man, they're allowed to keep. I was envious. They're, they're meeting in a public school, elementary school, and they're allowed to keep their signs out there all the time, twenty four seven. And so we took pictures of the signs, and I looked through the window and took a picture of their meeting place, and it's just it's just awesome. So I'm standing there in their in their living room, and I brought something to them from the from the Omni Night uh, crowd, and they're they're in their living room, and the glow of God is on their face. And they're telling me their story, and I've heard bits and pieces, but they're telling me the story and how things are going. They're even talking about the future and how things are unexpected, and they're, they're laughing about things that would be a horror to the rest of us and you see the glow of God, it's very clear to see on their faces and in their lives how much they love each other. And it's even easier to see how much they love God. They said, one of the advantages, I mean, they're counting the advantages of her having Lou Gehrig's disease. One of the advantages is when my wife comes to every service, the people that want to, take a service off because they got a sniffle or they got a hangnail. They know my wife's going to be at church. How can you skip church when you know the pastor's wife is going to be there and she has this horrible disease? I said to them, you know, you're a great example to me and to the rest of us because you just decided before you even started the church and you found out that that this had begun and this is how things were going to be. You went ahead and started the church. And she answered. Mrs. Lafonnier answered and said, That's all we could do. We couldn't do anything else but go forward. I thought to myself, I know plenty of people who would have found something else to do besides go forward. We couldn't do anything else but go forward. You know why? They made the very same decision I'm preaching on this morning. We've chosen, we've stuck, we're running. In the book of your life, how is chapter 2016 going to read? You don't get to write every detail. You, you, there's, you don't get to decide what happens and what doesn't happen. Fred didn't decide that on the first day of the new year he was going to lose his mom. You don't get to decide those things. But you can decide what's going to define your year. How is your year 2016, going to be defined. Father, I pray that you'd help us today to decide what 2016 is going to be in our lives. A year of victory. A year of overcoming. A year of growth. A year of influencing people for Jesus Christ. Lord, there's going to be new things to get involved in this year. There's going to be two more Danbury blitzes this year. It's very likely there's going to be a new bus route this year. There needs to be some new Sunday school classes this year. There could be some new soul winning ministries this year. I pray that you would help us to decide. This is the year I this is the year I get to know God. This is the year that I walk with Jesus. This is the year that I bring people to Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, please, that you'd help each of us to deal with you individually and to define our new year. Head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. Let me ask you this question. Is there anyone here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ? Then you need to make this the year that you got saved. This is the year that I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Oh, don't don't let the year go one day further without you taking care of that. Do you know for sure that when you die that you're going to go to heaven? Have you been saved? Who's here this morning with everyone's head bowed and everyone's eyes closed who would say, Today's the day that I decide to make Jesus Christ my Savior. I have never taken Jesus as my Savior before, and I want to take Jesus as my Savior today. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Anybody like you say I've never taken Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to deal, I want to settle that today. Yes, I see a hand back here. I can't see if it's a man or woman, but I see a hand. And God bless you. Anyone else, you say, I'm going to take care of that today. I have never made Jesus my Savior, but I want to take him as my Savior today. Lord, I pray that you'd help this person who has made the choice to make Jesus Christ their Savior. And I pray that you'd give them the absolute confidence and assurance that they've been born again. Now, let me ask you this question. You're here this morning. Every one of us is starting a new year. There's no exceptions. And we're all under, we're all all old enough to understand what that means. So, what is it that you're, you're going to decide? Hey, it it doesn't have to be mountain moving. Maybe it's just a uh, it's time to get over this new hurdle. I mean, maybe there's somebody in here this morning that says this is the year that I learned to speak a new language. I've been needing to do that. I want to do that. I'm going to get it done this year. Maybe there's somebody here that says, this is the year that I'm going to get my driver's license. This is the year that I'm going to buy a car. Maybe there's somebody here that says, you know, I've been renting all these years. This is the year we're going to go out and tackle it. We're going to buy a house. I'm not asking you to take on something that's way out of your league, but maybe we all need to take on something that's just a little bit out of our league. I love that expression. I'd rather shoot for the moon and miss than shoot at nothing and hit it. What are you going to aim for this year that it's, it's in, it's, you know it's right, it just seems a little impossible, but you say, God, i going to tackle I'm going to go after it with your help. What's going to define you year? here? Would you do some business with God? I beg you not to walk away from this service without have, having tackled and embraced something. Would you go after something? Let's all stand this morning. The piano's going to play, the altar's open. I'm begging you, do business with God. Tackle something, take on something. 2016, this is the year that, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Make your choice. Tackle something. Go after something.